Hello, my name is Amy Toy, the host of Angel Answers with Amy Toy. Besides being a radio show host, I'm also an intuitive counselor who provides spiritual insight into matters of the heart. Are you confused about your love life? Thinking of getting a new job? Wondering about your purpose and why you are here? I work very closely with not only the angelic realm, but also those who have crossed over to the other side. All sessions are strictly confidential. I also offer long-distance healing sessions using angelic energy. This angelic energy, also known as Integrated Energy Therapy, IET, can be done through Skype or on the phone and helps you get the issues out of the tissues. For first-time clients only, I am offering a 20% discount. You can find me online on amytoyamytoy.com, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, or email me at angelicamy35 at gmail.com or simply call 727-514-7323. May the angels carry you through, and this is for entertainment purposes only. And welcome to Angel Answers with Amy Toy. I am your host, and I have a very multifaceted lady with us today. Her name is Diane Pomerantz, Ph.D., and spirituality is the passion of her life, and she has dedicated her life to spiritual study and research. Ah, oh, fellow uh, researcher, seeker. She holds a Ph.D. in mass communicate media, communications, from the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. It was during her studies that she was introduced to Catherine Hayward, a renowned spiritual teacher, psychic, healer, and visionary, and mystic. She became one of Dr. Pomerantz's great and most beloved teachers and mentors, telling the story of her remarkable spiritual teacher from the turn of the century. Well, has been a labor of love and a landmark of her writing career. Following an out-of-body experience at the age of seven, Catherine awoke from her illness only to discover that she quote-unquote knew and could predict the future, and there is no death. Throughout World Wars I and II, Catherine was a pioneer and crusader who taught that the real you is neither the mind nor the body, but rather the power that motivates them. Welcome, Dr. Diane Pomerantz, to the show. Oh, thank you so much, Amy. My pleasure to be here. Yes, this is. Uh, we have a lot to talk about today, especially yes, about uh, the, the shifting. Let's talk about that since I told you my right ear is all messed up. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just talk louder. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can hear you fine. I'm using the left one. But <laughs> it's funny because our little talking before the show, you mentioned about the times we're living in. Uh, what do you think we're seeing right now? In the times oh, we I are think currently we're living seeing uh, the ending <laughs> of one era and the emergence of the new era. And I truly believe that throughout all the chaos and tumult, uh, like pre-birth of a human being, uh, a lot of anguish, pain, uh, etc., that we're moving forward out of that anguish and out of that pain and out of that suffering into what will be called an age of enlightenment. And that's my hope and prayer as well. Well, yeah, the Mayan calendar talked about the end of the world, remember 2012? December of 2012, and I think for me, what I noticed with the happenings around the earth, that we are entering a more um, deeper meaning of things, not the materialistic things that we have seen, and uh, what's your thoughts on that? Did you notice that shift in 2012 or earlier? Oh, yes, and actually before 2012, the origins Mm -hmm. of all that's taking place now, and of course, as I said, these are kind of birth pangs. Um, ending the old, the old institutions, whether they be financial or religious or uh, corporate, certainly we're seeing, we're witnessing astounding changes and uh, paving the way for the new. And the new, I'm hoping, will be um, all about compassion and kindness and love and respect for one another. And I think we're headed there. Uh, And the empowerment of women being another area of development. This is the first time in history. Oh, my God. You know, this whole movement is taking place, and it's not just in the United States. It's global. And uh, I have a dear friend who works for the United Nations who has empowered, worked with empowering um indigenous populations all over the world, and she's seeing extraordinary breakthroughs. 
So my hope and my belief, actually, is that we are moving in the right direction and that what was must be destroyed. It must come to an end. And then that paves the way for a new beginning. And uh, we are an emerging society. And we're realizing the error of our ways, the materialism, the corruption, the greed. This has no place in a future society where we're literally all brothers and sisters And that applies to our creatures as well, our animal brothers and sisters. Mother Earth, who is a living, breathing entity. And and we must recognize her for that. that, uh, And now with the volcanoes that are erupting, literally, figuratively, etc., and the flooding that we've experienced, the natural disasters as well as the human-made disasters, are all paving the way for a new age, a new era. Definitely, and I, what I like, too, is that truth is being revealed. Truth is coming out. Finally, the truth shall, shall set you free, right? Hello, <laughs> let's wake up. That's, yes. that's the answer, and we're witnessing, ironically, everything but the truth. We've got the fake news, and we've got the lies day in, day out from government officials. This has got to end, and uh, yeah. you know, new morality has got to take place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we could chat on that for about, oh, a century or so. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I like about the Me Too movement, the woman's movement, is I was an ex-Jehovah's Witness. I was in the cult for 10 years, and I left. Oh, wow. And there's so many shows, like uh, Cults and Extreme Beliefs on A&E and Leah Remini and all that, and they just had about the Jehovah's Witnesses. I left 20 years ago, and I just started dealing with this stuff. Maybe two or three years ago, YouTube, That takes XGW. a lot of courage. It does. It does. It right. Yeah, I, I was... Oh, my God, I remember I wrote the letter. I, I disassociated myself, so I kicked my ass out myself, okay? I didn't get this fellowship. They didn't kick me out. I kicked it. I did it myself. And I wrote yeah. this disassociation letter to seven elders. And I mailed it to all these guys, and I'm like, I'm sticking it to them. Um, and they would not leave me alone. I'm like, you didn't pay attention to me for two years. I haven't been at your services. But the point being is they disregard women. And I think that that's another way the Me Too movement has come forward, especially in these oppressive, suppressive religious organizations that have the male hierarchy. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I just feel like I that am. is not the way. I'm saying it's wrong. <laughs> okay. I'm coming well, right out there and saying it's wrong. You know, we've well, been subservient second-class citizens in virtually every culture for as long as time existed. And it's about time. We have so much to offer. And we are nurturers, caregivers, and maybe our path isn't linear, you know, goal-focused, as is the goal of most men or many men. Mm -hmm. But women are in the journey, in the process, and they take note of the relationship and, you know, have so much to offer in terms of caregiving. My God. And, you know, there should be uh, an equality, not the duality. And certainly we're different than men. And that's not mm-hmm. to say more than or less than. You know, mm-hmm. we are equals, and we're equally alive. So we need to be respected, honored and respected, yep. as do yeah. all living creatures. And if it wasn't for us... They would not be walking around because, like you said, we gave birth to them. You yeah, know, thanks. so birth is messy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Precisely. Okay? <laughs> I was like, dudes, you know, I, I would have brought you through, all right? I didn't have kids myself. I have five fur babies, five babies. Me too. I have six fur babies and yes. no kids by choice. Yes, uh, me so- too. <laughs> you know, and... You know, it was on The View the other day. It said about there's this movement about being child-free. Now, I don't have kids. I just It just never was in the cards for me. Well, I'm happy with that. But I'm telling you, <laughs> you know, there's so much freedom taking care of our, our animal companions, which we will have you on another show for that. We'll go into that, too. There's so much we can I'd talk about delighted. today. I'd be delighted. Oh, I'd be delighted. They are teachers, guides, helpers. They're, they're profound influences in our lives if we allow that. Yes, they are wonderful. They are wonderful. Uh, yeah, maybe you could help me with my main coon. He likes to chew my cords lately. I'm like, oh, I love main coons. Oh, I I love those guys. They're great. Well, I love them all. So he's a dog, man. He's not a main coon. He's a dog incarnate. He really. Well, you is. know, a lot of people are saying that 
that their <laughs> cats are becoming much more dog-like, and it really isn't a joke because they're way behind in terms of domestication. We have had the animals, the wolf, et cetera, et cetera, assist us in hunting and protection, and it's only recently that cats have been, been paid as much attention to as dogs, and they're, they're responding. And it's taking a while because they truly are, as are the great cats, you know, uh, predators and all the other things. But they're brilliant. They're brilliant, and they can be so loving and devoted. They are. They are just uh, wonderful. You have such a yeah. repertoire. <laughs> like I said, yeah. I'll, have to have, I'll, have to have, I'll definitely well, have so you on for you, another Amy. show. So do you. <laughs> oh, believe We me. all wear many hats. Oh, yes, women are great multitaskers. But yes, let's talk we about are. The... See, add that to all the compliments about women. Exactly. Great multitaskers, great. we are. And we are, oh, yes. And we, we don't are. whine. You know, I mean, men whine. Oh, and I'm, I'm exaggerating, you know, but, you know, a lot of men No, you're, do, uh, uh, you're right. And, and the women yep. are uh, stoic and, you know, just do it. <laughs> the old yeah, night just rain. Yeah. Just do yeah. it. Get it done. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have a, I have. I don't mean I don't have health issues. I mean I have back issues, knee issues. But I'm getting older. I don't complain about it. <laughs> just like I get up and do my thing. I don't have you surgery. Know, you just go through it, and you recognize it, and you send yourself healing to the extent that you're able, and do the proper things as far as diet, nutrition, exercise, and that's all you can do. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, because I have a friend of mine. He had sinus surgery, and he's. He's like telling me blah blah blah. This is happening then. I'm like, oh, that's you know, not fun. <laughs> Sinus surgery cannot be fun. Just the thought oh, of it. Oh. I know. I know. I'm just like, move to Florida, dude. You're in New York. Move to Florida. You have no problems. You will not have sinus problems here. <laughs> We're here to talk about a great woman that was your spiritual mentor, teacher, and this is from your book, Catherine, a woman of vision. Who was she? She was an amazing human being, and she was, as you described in your introduction, truly a mystic visionary, healer, medium, um, and a wonderful speaker and a wonderful human being that worked to promote peace since her childhood. She taught that thoughts are things and that our words are very powerful and that as we think, we create. And Catherine was born in Wales. Uh, in 1899, uh, by the way, a time during which the witchcraft laws were in operation, and okay. Catherine had contracted double pneumonia and pleurisy. Now, keep in mind the medical system in turn-of-the-century Wales, right, rural Wales, not good. <laughs> no technology to speak of. And uh, so Catherine had contracted this double pneumonia and pleurisy, and she was racked with pain. She was a frail child anyway. And at the age of seven, she was pronounced dead by her physician. And her parents were in the room when he made that pronouncement. And Catherine recalled leaving her body and communicating with what she referred to as angelic beings who radiated love and compassion and kindness. And she was so smitten by them that she never wanted to leave. She said, oh, now I'm home. This feels wonderful. However, the angel said, my dear, you have much work to do on earth, and this is not your time. Go back into the body. And Catherine listened to them, but, you know, she was very sad. She did not want to return to the physical body, which was racked with pain. So she heard her mother sob, and in that moment, she returned to the physical body. And from that point on, she was delirious for several days, but she woke up again at the age of seven, speaking in a full, mature, adult voice and feeling very strange and knowing past, present, and future. So you can imagine for a child what that overwhelming experience must have been like. And one of the first experiences following that realization that she knew what people were thinking. She knew when they were pretending or um, pretending to be something other than who they truly were. And she uh, recognized that she was very different than the girl that she had been before and uh, started realizing that those who came to the door 
the Williamses, the first people to visit her, and she was upstairs in a bedroom, and she said, Mommy, when they rang the doorbell, Mommy, those are the Williamses. They're bad people. They do terrible things to children. Don't let them in. And her mother was aghast. She said, oh, my God, the child's still delirious and, and whatever. <laughs> well, she went to open the door, and sure enough, guess who? The Williamses. And so uh, they asked about Catherine, and Elizabeth didn't let them go see her because Catherine, as I said, was very fragile. And um, sure enough, about three weeks later, the Williams family was evicted from the community for child molestation and various and other assorted uh, and sundry um, acts that they had committed. And so Catherine, of course, was right. And no one seemed to understand what was taking place in Catherine. But she kept doing that more and more often. Um, she would say, oh, so-and-so's not, um, not what he pretends to be. He's really this. Um, Mrs. Abbott, she's not who she says she is, and she feels this way, and she pretends to feel another way. And, you know, they just didn't know how to interpret this behavior. As today, we might not be able to interpret that behavior. But, again, as I said, the witchcraft laws were in operation, and Catherine started to predict the truth. And at dinner one night, her uncle uh, was present among other family members, and he told uh, he was talking about his intended uh, voyage on the the Titanic. And Catherine said passionate, passionately, vehemently, "Oh, Uncle, no, you mustn't go. Terrible things are going to happen." And something in her voice and demeanor convinced her uncle. Uh, not to go on the Titanic. And, of course, the rest is history. We all know what happened to the Titanic, that the unsinkable sank. And so Catherine would predict mayoral elections and um, all sorts of local things that would happen, and uh, her, her abilities expanded, and they continued to expand. And at the same time, she was not able to attend school. Um, she was too fragile, and at, in truth, as I uh, conducted my research and talked to Catherine, and I have 200 audio cassettes, and I do mean cassettes, not CDs. This was before the time of CDs, about, with Catherine interviewing her. And she had said that uh, this power was something that she wasn't sure she could control, and so she started, and she was unable to go to school. So she, she was not able to read or write. And um, her father would read brochures that came in the mail and various literature that came in the mail. And some of the literature included works by Mr. Anton Mesmer. And we may be familiar with the term mesmerism. Mesmer was the father of hypnosis. And in the brochures, he wrote, tell yourself you can, and you can. And again, demonstrated that thoughts are things and that our words are very powerful. So Catherine listened to all this and absorbed it. And uh, when a boy that she liked was uh, uh, paying a lot of attention to a, school, uh, 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 um, a young girl in the neighborhood, Catherine thought she wanted to get a beautiful new dress for herself and make this young man interested in her. So she decided to sell woolen socks in Guayla de Garth, Wales. And she went door to door. She received the socks from a catalog, and she would tell herself, I can and I will. And she sold all 44 pairs of socks, and uh, she knew this formula worked for success. Anyway, that's the beginning, the origin of Catherine. And when she was 20, she married a young man, um, Percy Hayward. And Percy um, was uh, very talented in his own right. And in the process of the marriage, Catherine met a healer who saved her father's life. This is all very eventful. I mean, there is so yeah. much going on. Remember, this is about the time of World War I. And so um, Catherine absorbed um, uh, the healing abilities of Mr. Fletcher, and Mr. Fletcher healed Catherine's father, and he survived. And Mr. Fletcher had told them to get in, t in communication, in touch with their spirit guides, and he gave them the proper protocol and uh, rules as to how to conduct themselves, and that their spirit guides wanted very much to communicate uh, um, pivotal, primary, fundamental information to them that they would share with the world. 
And that was the beginning of Catherine's life, learning about the purposefulness and significance of life on Earth. Wow. So there. (laughs) You got that out in one sentence. No, just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of words. Yeah, there's a there's a lot there's a lot here, um, and and a lot of that is I feel the basis for what uh, modern teachers mystics and that today, you know Louise Hay, you know, absolutely you know, you can do it or Catherine was know. a precursor, definitely. Yes, yes, and isn't this also the time when there was um, seances and spiritism and Houdini? absolutely spiritualism was huge, especially in the United Kingdom. Yes, that's what I was thinking of because they kept showing me Houdini, whose wife, after he died, he that's said right. that he would uh, have have seances and that Harry Houdini would, you know, contact his wife in some way, which I don't that's think ever right. happened. I don't think ever happened if I remember correctly. But uh, you know, it's it's amazing how you know uh, near death experience, how we meet people that are in our past, and you know, can help influence us. And, you know, I don't know about in your own line of work, but you find that people, when they're aligned with what they do, people, places, and things show up to help them on their path. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's a certain synchronicity. Yes. And serendipity that takes part Mm -hmm. in their lives. And they know they are purpose-driven and they are adhering to what their heart tells them to do. And, of course, intuition was at the very core of who Catherine was. She operated intuitively. It wasn't an intellectual process. It was a comprehension and illumination and awareness level. And let's call it that, an increased consciousness and awareness level. And so from this point of um, meeting with the spirit guides, it was very much a seance. And one of the first people to come through was Percy's brother, who had died in Flanders. And his name was Andrew. And he said, I'm very much alive, Percy. Um, I died in Flanders. And he described in detail the death and life after death. And he said, life after death is far more beautiful than you can possibly imagine. And I'm happier here than I ever have been. And so on. And that was the beginning, because they were able to recognize Andrew, And from that point on, the spirit beings um, assumed many different identities as teachers. There was Bright Eyes. uh, There was White Eagle. There were many, many personalities that came through. And these spirit beings offered a body of information that served as the crux, the core of what Catherine spent the rest of her life teaching, that there is no death. You couldn't die if you wanted to. And Catherine always said to, uh, to people who came in, you know, to her groups, you couldn't die if you wanted to. And uh, people went, what? <laughs> what? But, but she was very dynamic. She was funny. She was witty. Uh, she was charming. And she was like a magnet. I mean, I would be walking. We became very close friends. I was her protege first and, and then her colleague. And um, wherever we go, people would find an excuse. And this was a 79-year-old woman, and I was 28 when I met her. And she just drew attention, and people would somehow find an excuse to talk to her, which really represented an exchange of energies that Catherine, as a healer, as a medium, um, and as a great teacher, would impart that love energy, if you will, and, and kind of help them she would serve as a catalyst in a way, which is exactly what she did for me. She said, I lit your autopilot. <laughs> and I had studied with gurus and Zen Buddhist masters and uh, read the autobiography of the yogi when I was a young girl and had already been through many, many experiences, spiritual uh, study, etc. by the time I met Catherine. And when I met her, it was as though I was home. I was truly home with someone that understood me far better than any blood relative or even any friend or colleague. And she introduced me to a wide variety of uh, spiritual paths, including Sufi, Subud, Theosophy, uh, with Krishnamurti, um, just so many um, self-realization movement. Uh, and she knew one of the heads of 
the self-realization movement, Sri Dayamata, and worked with her. And on and on and on, Catherine had studied and researched all these religions her whole life. And yes, she learned to read and write by the time she was 20 and got her first job in a jewelry store in Cardiff, Wales. Wow. Wow. She, she was, was amazing. A and she so was charming. Speaker. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, you would have loved her. Anyone who met her, she was just so witty. And if you can kind of, I don't know if you know who Judy Dench is or your listeners mm-hmm. know who Judy Dench is, yep. but mm-hmm. uh, she played M in uh, several of the James Bond movies. And yep. ha- oh, she's just amazing. The um, Best Exotic Marigold Hotel and Elizabeth and on and on. But they could have been sisters separated at birth. That big, deep British contralto voice. And then it's all, that musicality, you know, the Welsh kind of musicality. So she was a delight. She was very funny. And um, as I said, witty. And she could be cutting, biting, but never mm-hmm. maliciously. It was always in fun. You know, she just happened to be very sharp and witty. <laughs> so how did you meet her? Through a college her? friend of mine. I moved from New York. Um, I was born in New York, and I lived all over the country from Washington, D.C. to uh, Ann Arbor, Michigan, to Detroit, Michigan, to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Virginia, on and on and on, to L.A., spent 20 years in L.A., and when I first moved to an apartment in West Hollywood from New York, um, I ran into an old college friend, and uh, she had told me about this incredible person that I had to meet who had... Um, meetings open to the public for free on Sunday mornings who lived about maybe a couple of miles away from my apartment. And so I said, oh, this is handy. And I went to see Catherine for the first time, and she lived in this little bungalow in West Hollywood that was very British, very British, and all the landscapes and the floral, you know, chintz and uh, the vases and vases of flowers and all of that. And I'll never forget when Catherine emerged, she came out, and there was standing room only. I mean, it was in her home, and she had opened up her den to her living room, so it could hold about 35 people. And um, I arrived early, and uh, when Catherine came out, it was about two minutes to 11, and 11 was a starting time, and people were, you know, in the yogi position, and they were standing, they were sitting, you know, whatever, and Catherine emerged in this um, caftan. She had flaming red hair at the age of 79. She was very attractive. Uh, She wore uh, tasteful jewelry, and then she started speaking in that incredible voice, and as I said, I have audio cassettes of her and also a record that she made, uh, but anyway, um, when she spoke, and she started saying things that are like um, that there are no mistakes and that you're here for a reason and that there is no death and the real you is neither the mind nor the physical body, but the power that motivates them. And I was, everything she said resonated with me. She taught reincarnation, and she said, does it make any sense to you that we would come for one time on this journey and that some of us would be quadriplegic, some of us would be royalty, others would be paupers? Uh, how do you explain um, those who are great composers by the age of three or four? Uh, there, there has to be another explanation. And um, she also did uh, a lot of research into past lives and and conducted past life regressions, which I had many of with her as a student. But anyway, everything Catherine said made sense to me, and it's as though I had a checklist. And with that checklist, I kept crossing things off. I said, yes, she's right. And, uh, you know, she said, we must have a world of peace, a world in which we're all Respect is the key word, and love is the other. And, of course, what she was talking about were the highlights of a synthesis of all the world's greatest religions, whether it be Buddha, Jesus, Mohammed, etc. At the core, the tenets are the same, love and respect, kindness and compassion. And that's what Catherine was truly all about. And she used her abilities, the second half of the meeting was devoted to uh, providing ESP 
to the people that came. And she would give readings all over the room, and she would just tune into a person, and she would tell them. And my friend Michelle came with me to the meeting, and when Catherine went to Michelle, I didn't want to be read, so I was, like, sending out radar, please don't read me, please don't read me, especially in public. <laughs> I wanted no part of that, you know? I was a stranger. I didn't want anybody knowing anything about me. But she read my friend Michelle, and she was uncannily accurate. And it was as though I had just talked to Michelle, and the words that Catherine was using were the words that Michelle had described to me. And so, I, you know, and then I, as Catherine went around the room, she did not go to me, so she caught that. Um, she went to other people, and they seemed equally astounded at the words that Catherine spoke to them. Nice. Yeah, nice. so after the meeting, I couldn't help myself. I, I went up to Catherine, and I said, I'd like to make an appointment with you. She said, you have the money? I said, what? <laughs> what? I was, but that was Catherine. She was so direct. Yeah. You know, she had a lot of actors and people that, you know, mm, iffy, as if they could afford her services. And she thought, people want to pay. They want to know, you know, that, that they're not just getting something for free. Of course, she would have done it for free had she felt the need to. Uh, right. But anyway, I said, yes, I do. And I started studying with her. And as I studied with Catherine, I was the best student. I mean, I have a Ph.D. You've got to be a good student, Right. And I yes. took copious notes with Catherine. And um, I did. I brought my little yellow pad, and, and we worked together. And uh, Catherine worked to promote peace. She had her groups because she taught that thoughts and words are very powerful and that, of course, prayer must be very powerful. If we're sending thoughts of peace out to the world, out to the creatures, the animals, Mother Earth herself, that we're impacting the planet in a positive way and we're helping bringing, we're helping to bring about peace. So there was a lot of depth, a lot of, of um, wisdom that Catherine shared with others, and I was the beneficiary, and I adored her. I just adored her. And she attended, she had held groups uh, to promote peace on earth two or three times a week. She had her Sunday morning meetings, which were basically word of mouth, because she had retired. As I said, she was 79 when I met her. So she wasn't, you know, working, I mean, uh, but um, she had arrived in the United States after traveling all over the world when she was 60 years old, and she was never intending to stay here. But uh, people like Angela Lansbury's mother, Moyna Lansbury, Angela herself, um, Richard Chamberlain, who in the 60s played Dr. Kildare, Diana Ross, uh, the superstar, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, were her, were the people that supported her financially and otherwise, because they believed in her work. So she wow. had a, quite a celebrity roster of people that attended and notable public figures. And, um, you know, I haven't talked about Catherine after the spirit beings, but after that six, month of commu six months of communication, she was told by the spirit guides that she was now ready to share her knowledge with the public. And just miraculous things began to happen, including a place that opened up for her to give her first public talk and reading. She would read the people in the audience. And, of course, during World War I and during World War II, her gifts were extraordinary. And she was able to prove to the people in the audience that there was no death, that their brother, friend, nephew, father, etc., were not dead, and she would cite very specific qualities uh, about the individual so that there could be no, no question that she was indeed in touch with the so-called dead. So throughout World Wars One and Two, she taught that there is no death, and it was, uh, her work was hailed. And remember, there was no social media, so she wasn't a household name. But those in the circles of people studying uh, New Age philosophy, theosophy, spiritualism, knew about Catherine Hayward. And uh, she was a researcher, pioneer in the field, and uh, she offered comfort to the bereaved. Wow. Yeah. That, uh, you would have loved her. Trust yes. me, you would have loved her. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I have a big She was mouth. fun. She yeah. was fun. She wasn't holier than thou, you know, yeah. and, and she wasn't sanctimonious. She was fun but a truth teller and a truth seeker.
Yes, and uh, we need that more so than ever in this world, don't we? Well, precisely. And I want word to get out about the book I wrote about her life story, all 545 pages. It reads like a novel. And um, it was written that way, uh, you know, kind of as a classic that people from generations from now could appreciate the truth in that book about life, wow. about life on Earth. Mm-hmm. Yes, it, uh, it's amazing. And, Catherine, it feels like uh, parallels my life. I've had three near-death experiences. The third one, I was like, they're like, you're not done. You're not, no, you're going back. You've got a lot yeah. of work to do. Really? Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> but it's so much better over here. Why must I go back <laughs> to that crazy planet where people fight each other and call each other horrible names? Why do I have to go back? And people, <sighs> we have to endure. I'm sorry. I'm not. Um, I'm somebody who's in the White House that I'm like. I get. To oh, go. don't even go there. <laughs> <laughs> don't even begin to go. There. <laughs> Any predictions on him? <laughs> oh, it's not for me to say. God. But in the immortal words of my mother, and this too shall pass. Praying the past is real fast. <laughs> right? That's what mother would always say when you're in a difficult situation. Don't worry, darling, and this too shall pass. <laughs> Those are my words of comfort. <laughs> yeah, my mother used to say the same thing. This too shall pass, really? Well, yeah. that's when quick. I want to know when. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> please, God, please. Yeah. Uh, anyway. <laughs> well, yeah. But we're we're combating all that ignorance, and that's what it is. It's yeah. greed and avarice, and and greed and avarice and corruption. Those are the signs of a very ignorant human being. And something else that Catherine said again, which I hope will. Um, benefit our listeners is that a life on earth is a school mm-hmm. and we're all here to evolve spiritually and that we begin school and preschool just like regular school but we're in a one-room schoolhouse and mm-hmm. so that you've got people in preschool and postdoctorate all in the same schoolhouse and that you've got the people who believe in an eye for an eye, and I want this, and I want that, and I'm great, and I'm wonderful, and all of that to Mahatma Gandhi and uh, Mother Teresa and the selflessness and the nobility of spirit and the grace. And, you know, whether it be Jesus or Buddha or Mohammed or Moses, these are the people that are our role models, and they are the ones that we are to follow and to become and that is our destiny mm-hmm. yeah not everybody is going to evolve the, or go through things well if the you believe way. in reincarnation you keep coming back it's like yep. repeating a grade you don't pass math in the first grade guess what you take <laughs> math again you know you don't go on to the second grade till you've passed right yeah so that's what's happening <laughs> yes so, well isn't that a I great can... analogy i love that well, it's also, I feel like I'm repeating this lifetime because every time I would go through a similar situation, I'm like, no, I'm not going to do it this way. I'm going to do it that way. I yes. knew I had gone through it, but I chose a different, made a bit different choice. Yes. And yes. it would go, the lesson would go through easier. And I'm like, okay, I guess I I'm, think I'm getting the hang of this. I think I'm just, you know, going through this and getting it done. And, you know, the karmic wheel of life, they call it. Hey, I'm doing it. <laughs> And you know what, Amy, I believe that people that have the knowledge that we've been privileged enough to have are the teachers, and we're we're here to help. And if we Mm -hmm. can point the way or serve as a role model in any small way, that's why we chose to come back at this particular period of time. And this is the Wild West of of, uh, our history. I mean, we are really, whoa! You know, it's never been this dangerous. It's never been this... Um, combative and divisive and ugly and crude and the violence level and the potential to decimate an entire planet, you know, we've never had that. This is the nuclear age. So I think people like us have volunteered. Don't ask me why and I won't do it again. But (laughs) I could just see us all, you know. Oh, I'll go. I'll help. I want to help. 
Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Yep. And uh, like I say to my guides and angels, what the hell was I smoking up there? Okay. Yeah. Well, well you, we were smoking the same thing. Because <laughs> <laughs> I ask mine the same questions. Why am I here? <laughs> what the this hell? This is absurd. <laughs> this is absurd. <laughs> but you know, the people of like mind will be getting together increasingly and more powerfully. And we have a very powerful message. Mm-hmm. You know, be still and know you are God. Right? That's exactly. Oh, yeah. Hello, I, I know. wake up. You are divine. <laughs> we are divine beings. Yeah, even people with bad hair in the Oval Office. Anyway, I'm sorry. Grace. <laughs> <laughs> what people with bad hair are we talking about now? <laughs> Who needs a, he needs a separate office for his, his hair. His I, hair. I hate to say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, a separate facility for that here, yes. <laughs> yeah, he needs to be separate, all right. Speaking of vibration, all life is energy existing at different rates of vibration. Right. Can you explain that statement? To well, we know that um, energy is um, eternal, that you cannot mm-hmm. destroy energy, you cannot kill it, it will transmute, it will transform, but all life is energy operating at different rates of vibration. And so, uh, you know, um, the people that believe in UFOs or aliens or have actually communicated with spirit guides know that this is not the, or believe certainly if they do not directly know, that um, all life is one life and that sound and light waves were unseen, unperceived until when? 150 years ago or so? Yet they exist, and just because we can't see it with our naked eyes does not mean these do not exist. And, you know, again, accounting for death. Is it possible that we just uh, change our vibration to a more rapid one? Um, You know, that, again, life on other planets or our spirit guides operate at a different rate of vibration than the human being. We're kind of... Oh, I don't know if stuck is the right world, word, but in this body, the flesh body, the human physical body, it's a very slow rate of vibration comparatively. As I just mentioned, the, the sound and light, etc., are far more rapid. And that as we evolve, our vibration rises. And the more wisdom and equilibrium with which we handle daily life, the more gratitude we experience, and that was another component of Catherine's teaching, that be grateful um, each and every day. Keep track of all the wonderful, tiny miracles that are taking place in your life and in the world. The beauty of a flower in bloom. The beauty, if you look close up to an insect, and they're magnificent. And, and you know, that whole concept um, of... You know, uh, people have dominion over animals. Well, dominion has been misconstrued to believe we have domination over animals, which Mm -hmm. that was never the intent. It was stewardship, guardianship, Mm -hmm. and boy, have we failed. You know, and that's why our planet and the plastics that are filling our oceans and the extinction rates that are taking place as we speak because people haven't evolved, and the rate of vibration of a human being is um, dependent with um, the, the evolution of their soul. And we are here, all here to become as the great teachers have been. That's our goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, um, you know, there's a saying about cats, by the way. Dogs have family, cats have staff. I know I have oh, five of them. tell me about that. it. Yeah. <laughs> They have dominion over me. That's right. My dogs, too. I do the housekeeping. Excuse me. What is this? But no, dog is God spelled backwards. And we all know, those of us, I do animal-assisted therapy with several of my dogs and and have done that for the last 30 years, where we go into assisted living centers and hospitals and ERs and care flights because animals are able, with their vibrations, to de-stress people, mm-hmm. to calm them down, to lower blood pressure. Yep. Mm-hmm. 
And so we're just learn. We are learning at, at, at such a rapid pace now because we have to. We're talking about such devastation that could potentially occur. We have to be learning at a much faster rate, and we are. We do. We do. We have to learn. And um, I have a client that um, I recently spoke with, and her energy had shifted so quickly in the last two weeks. I said, honey, you're like a freight train. Nothing's going to stop you now. (laughs) That's right. And that's happening because it has to happen. Those of us who are near, you know, the goal are being called upon to share that energy, share that wisdom, share that time with those in need who are hungry. We're all hungry for that information, only we may not be consciously aware of it. And we get caught up in the materialistic trappings. We get caught up in the power, you know, and the arrogance and the narcissism and all of that. Like, I'm great. I'm great. Well, you know, you are great, but not in that sense in the sense that God dwells within us as us. Well, yeah, well, some people are great without their hair. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, but we, you know, we need to pray. We need to pray yeah. for peace and love in the hearts and minds of all human beings. You know, we need to send love out constantly to Mother Earth because love is healing. And that's what animals have, this unconditional love. Oh, they do. And that's why they're such natural-born healers. And as I said, we're just now discovering that. You know, those in the armed forces that come home with post-traumatic stress disorder and find their sanity and their comfort and well-being with an animal. Mm -hmm. This is unprecedented. It is. It is. It's it's amazing. It's yeah. We're growing. We are evolving. We truly are. Oh, it's hard to see that sometimes when you watch television. It's, it's become unbearable. <laughs> I don't you even know, watch and, it. I don't even watch well, it. I'm like, Dude. You know, I want to be informed, but it is so mm-hmm. repugnant to me. And I get nauseous. I am nauseous every morning when I listen to the news. And I think, mm-hmm. oh, Diane, you are such a masochist. Why do you do this? But I do want to know the events that are developing, you know. So everyone is different in that regard, and, uh, yes. you know, we we all follow the path that we're on, that's all. We we do, and um, I, I personally can't watch the news because it just irks me, and I'm like, I just want to see the weather. I live in Florida. It's sunny today with a chance of rain. Okay, great. Got to go. <laughs> that's it. That's enough for me. That's more than enough for me. <laughs> right. There's, there's no hurricane on the way. Great. I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, I live in Dallas, Texas, and uh, pretty yeah. much the same. You know, it gets hot in the summer sometimes, but today's 71. So I'm not complaining. <laughs> you know, I'm good. Oh, no, Dallas. Wow. I don't, I, that's a big state, too. I don't know how you get through that state in one day. If oh, you, can. you don't. It's huge. <laughs> it's like a country. It's bigger than many countries. Yeah, it is. It is. It's a big state. I have a friend of mine moving out of there. I think she's in uh, San Antonio area. I can't mm-hmm. remember. And Houston, it's one of those. You know, I don't know the, the geographic, but she's like, I'm moving to Carolinas. Hey, go go for it. Yeah, <laughs> really, really. You're going to love snow. If you got to love snow, you got to go to the Carolinas. You know, we're but, uh, all exactly where, where we're supposed to be to do the work yeah. that we're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and if you told me, Texas, coming from yeah. New York and Washington, D.C., and the daughter of a liberal professor, I would have said, there's not the remotest chance that's going to happen. Not in this lifetime. And here I am, 20 years later, in the heart of Texas. Wow. But, you know, I need it here. I I wouldn't be here if I weren't needed. Exactly. Like, I was pushed to go to Florida. I was in Buffalo, New York for most of my life. I was being pushed here. Yeah. Okay, I wanted to move here. That's cool. Got it. The angels were pushing me here. And now I'm like the happiest I've ever been. I'm like, this and is great. And you know man. what? There's such great spiritual work being done in Florida. I have mm-hmm. many colleagues and uh, that live in all over Florida, from Naples mm-hmm. to Fort Lauderdale to wherever, Clearwater, on and on and on. And they're doing great work like you are. So Yeah, it's, it's a great privilege. And what part of New York were you from? City. Manhattan. Oh, you don't even have the act. You don't have the New York accent. I've lived in so many places, <laughs> so I kept losing accents. 
you know, and gaining, acquiring new ones. But, you know, I used to live right by the United Nations on 46th between 1st and 2nd, right down the street from the Peace Garden. Well, see, been in New York City once. I'm from Buffalo, so I'm on the other end of the state. Yes, you uh, are. Yes, you are, but it's beautiful up there. It's It's a different world up there. It is a different world. Downstate. They're, like, so different, but anyway. Oh, Absolutely. It's amazing. It's amazing the difference, you know, with areas. Um, any last thoughts about Catherine's biography and her life in general? And how was it like to lose a mentor? It must have been devastating to you to lose her or not Catherine lose her. Catherine but... was a role model. She was exemplary. And that's not to say she was without flaws. She was a human being. But she was a great visionary. She always saw that peace would be here one day on planet Earth and that peace belonged in our hearts and minds along with love and kindness and compassion. And uh, she had remarkable abilities, but she used them. She always called her psychic abilities a little fish to catch the big fish because once she had proven that there was no death, people, you know, she would encourage them to serve as a catalyst for them to explore who they really were what their purpose in life was. And so that was her message to all people. Find out who you really are, and you will discover that you are divine. Well, where can people find you and your book, Catherine's autobiography, her biography, not her autobiography, her biography? Yes. Well, Catherine's on Amazon and Barnes & Noble and all over the place and Kindle, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. So I think people will really enjoy that. It's such a compelling, and people always write that it's like a mystery, like a novel. It's great, because she's in search of the truth, and she traveled all over the world, counseling world leaders and celebrities and notable public figures. She was in India, and she was hailed as a guru. Uh, She was in Salon. She was all over the place and uh, retired in the United States at the age of 60, but she never retired. That's, that's a misnomer. But, uh, and they can find me on my website, which is drdianepomerantz.com. And that's Dr. D-R, D-I-A-N-E, Pomerantz, P-O-M-E-R-A-N-C-E, dot com. That's great. Thank wow, this has been a very enlightening interview for sure, and I feel like we're going to have you on again uh, for the pets, definitely. Uh, maybe we'll do a back-to-back show. The babies. The, the creatures. Fur babies. The babies. <laughs> yes, the fur kids. We're all sleeping right now as I'm recording this interview. So, <laughs> so are mine. So yes. are mine. I haven't heard a peep from them. <sighs> oh, my God. There's well, a lot to be said for a gentle rain and keeping them quiet. <laughs> oh, yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, thank They're you, Diane. I think it's night. <laughs> Why yeah. am I talking? <laughs> Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you, Amy. What a pleasure to meet you, and I look forward to working with you. We're in this together. Yes, we are. Thank God we can make fun of people's hair. No, anyway. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to have to work on that. On the other hand, we have better things to work on. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. And I'm Amy Toy for Angel Angel Answer with Amy Toy, signing out for next week. Look forward to next week to another informative guest. Thank you, and have a great night. May the angels carry you through.